Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of Tarot, No Questions Asked, Master Narrative Intuitive Reading, and the Tarot Coloring Book. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 207 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is interpreting your birth chart with tarot. And my special guest is Deborah Silverman. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. Uh, so I love that you are a tarot reader and an astrologer, just like me. I mean, you're Gemini. We are like dual talent. We've got two things going on at once. I shouldn't be surprised that you do both. So of course, I have to ask you, do you use both equally or does one dominate? In the earlier years when I was young, I can't remember, I'm a lot older than you, um, I did both equally. As the years have gone by, because I have a school where I teach astrology, and I'm literally um, carving out training, really going through a rigorous program with people to make them astrologers. Like I've really assisted dozens and dozens, hundreds of people to become astrologers. I've had to put my full attention on astrology. So it's not to say it's like, I feel like I left my kid in the back seat. I'm in love with Tarot and I have not spent as much time lately, but I use it personally all the time. Right. Well, you know, it's so interesting because I am known as a tarot lady, but I actually got into astrology before tarot. It's just tarot is so fast and furious for me. And I use astrology every single day, just like you do. But I am known for the tarot portion. I mean, that is my main gig. So I think that's really funny and fascinating how the universe kind of sorts it all out. Otherwise, if we, uh, us Geminis would just be juggling two balls at the same time all the time. So and so, both being Libra rising, I think it's so funny. Yes. So we are talking today about using tarot to interpret the birth chart. So how do tarot and astrology go together? Let's start there. Well, the first is, which I've always wanted to teach in a concrete way, which I will, is that every tarot card, starting with the major arcana, there's 10 for the planets and there's 12 for the signs. So you begin by getting acquainted, literally knowing that if I say Venus, you think the empress, like there, there should be an immediate association. If I say the death card, you should think Scorpio. So one, when the association between the cards and the signs are intertwined and they should be taught that way, then it makes an entirely different landscape because instead of it just being the death card, it becomes, as we all know about Scorpio transformation. Yes. You know, one of the things that I love to do is to um, take elements of the birth chart and compare them with the tarot cards. And, and I'm assuming you like to do that too with people. So interesting. Yes. I think the big thing is when someone's sophisticated like you are, or someone comes to me who knows astrology and knows tarot, our conversation becomes very fluid around using the terms. And I want to see the card and I want to see the chart. But my specialty when I do readings and when I teach people how to do readings is to not use any jargon. So we yes. never, ever speak about the tarot card or the except it's in our backdrop. It's in the resource. It's in the library. So I don't ever say to a client, oh, well, you need the hangman because Neptune's transiting your son. So you might want to, I mean, I would love to, I should actually say, take this card out, the hangman, put it on your fridge, put it on the mirror and start letting that energetic in the highest form. Do you know, George Bernard Shaw, Shaw said, if he ever was put on a deserted island, he would want a Bible and a tarot deck. Really? I did not know that. That is because so fascinating. It, because it is the entire access. The version that I learned in the early 80s when I was this tall was that starting with the fool, 
the zero part of the fool, you jump into this planet and you're like, you have to be an idiot to come here because it's a crazy planet. That's the fool. Like, what did you just do? Then comes the magician who's got all four elements sitting on his table, water, air, earth, and fire. The, was How do you use those four elements? Which is, of course, my book, The Missing Element. This is all I talk about every day. How do you use those four elements? Because that's going to balance us. And then it goes on to the rest of the story. But I find it so interesting. The first step was jumping off a cliff like a crazy person. And then the magician saying, before you go anywhere, let me give you these four elements because you will not be able to manage this life experience without those. So I've always paid attention to that story that was told to me so many years ago. It's so fun to think about. I had a teacher called Patty McLean. I don't know if you know her. She was a, um, this was literally in 19, I want to say, maybe it was like 79 or 80. I had been, I was in graduate school and I met this woman and she was very famous. She was in People Magazine. She was a troll reader. She was very successful with all the movie stars in Hollywood. And she took a liking to me and taught me this story that I just told you. And I studied with her for a whole year and learned the cards. And I fell in love with her. She was like a grandma. She gave me her cat. Oh, (laughs) how about that? The Tarot lady gave me her cat. I was very honored before she moved. She asked me to take care of it. And I called it kitty cat. So now you mentioned that when, when, and I, I agree with you about, I call it astrobabble. When you talk, I mean, we know the whole background between tarot and astrology. We can easily go into those really convoluted rabbit hole conversations. And then people walk away and they don't know what we're talking about. So you mentioned like, instead of saying something like this Neptune transit, here is the hanged man. Can you give me a couple other examples of something that you might see in a, in a natal chart or a transit and what you might, how you might offer tarot up as medicine for them? Well, I don't offer tarot up as medicine. It's my resource. It's my library. It's what I, it. I have. A, but I do not ever say to a client that's coming for an astrology reading that if someone, I am no longer the, you're the tarot lady. I have my secret weapons in my back pocket. So I, if someone is in a real dilemma and they are coming to visit with me, I become the tarot, the tarot lady. But I do not. I see it more as a philosophical, the value for me of the tarot, why I would love to teach it again to my group is that the message that comes through, let's talk about the hangman, like that is the most profound wisdom, turn upside down, let your life go, you're not in charge, let go, let God, like, okay, everybody, Neptune's here, that is 100% Neptune, this is reality that we cannot see, it's not the same experience, and I have been obsessed in the last two months with climate crisis, I've like, I cannot stop reading, thinking, and watching documentaries, and Neptune has been my medicine, the hangman, so I I do refer to the tarot in my own consciousness, but I do not speak tarot. Um, and to your point, I don't want to speak it to people unless they speak it. It's more the philosophical backdrop. And, and there is lots and lots and lots of wisdom. And it's simply being able to pay attention to the lessons. This is the essence of the tarot. Someone comes in, they're learning a specific lesson at that moment, that relationship, that breakdown at work, that health issue is a screaming alarm system going, I want your attention. And then the person listens to the tarot reader or the astrologer. And do they take the wisdom and learn a lesson? Good question. So if somebody, let me ask you this. If, if you are looking at someone's chart, their natal chart, do you automatically go into your tarot brain? Do you think, Oh my God, this person has the moon and cancer. Uh, I'm thinking of the chariot card, which is associated with cancer, or does it only come into your consciousness when you're actively working with somebody? 
it's philosophically, 100% philosophical. I learned about the chariot and cancer from studying the tarot. So it doesn't come in specifically. It's a backdrop. It's what I was saying. It's a resource. Like the wisdom of the, of the chariot card, which is one of my favorite cards, and I'm in love with the sign cancer, is that it is the ultimate test to take the emotional body, the dark and the light, and live right in the middle. Well, that's what I say to a cancer. I, I don't look at the chariot card, but oh. it's backdrop. It's in my library. It's how I learned about cancer was studying the trove. That's so interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. So what are some easy ways that people can use tarot and astrology together? What do you recommend for like students oh, or the people best. who want to play with them together? The best is the 12 spread. Do you know that one? The 12 house spread for the trove? Where it's like the astrology spread? Uh, the astrology yes, you do house. two cards. So you do all 12 houses. And then you do two cards in the middle for the foundation and you do all 12 houses and you put a card out in the top. There's a specific spread that I was taught and it, it is so, and you can do it for the whole year coming up and it's a powerful, I mean, if I had a group of students like you who knew astrology and tarot well, oh my God, it's like being in the middle of a alchemist. Like it mm. is alchemy. These two are best friends. They design the tarot cards off astrology. Yes. First came astrology, then came the tarot. And and I'd love to hear from your point of view, how did the tarot start? I have my ideas, but I'd love to hear what you think. Well, the, beginning they, of the, show. the history is that, you know, they were invented in, um, I mean, card games were around for a long time, way before the tarot was uh, created in Italy. And so what historians have shown is the earliest decks were uh, discovered in Italy, and they were originally created as a game. And they are still played as a game to this day. You know, a lot of people think of tarot as just divinations. Like, well, actually, tarot was a game, and it's still a game. It wasn't, it didn't become associated with divination until many years later, when Aliette wrote the book on divination and tarot. So that's what I know about the tarot history. And by the way, I always say I'm not a historian, but that is what I know about it. That's the origins. That's so funny because what I understood was the tarot was from the 15th century and it was downloaded with the 10 planets. One of my big messages I tell people is when they say there's another planet being found, I'm like, excuse me, the tarot had exactly 22 cards, 12 signs, 10 exact descriptions of the plants and the signs. That was in the 15th century before they ever found Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. So clearly, when you look at the Pluto card and you see the world, you're like, oh, make it or break it. Like they knew then. So they were way ahead. The minor arcana is the playing deck. They mm -hmm. took the minor arcana. That's clubs, diamonds, hearts, right. and spades. So that was taken into a game. But the major arcana never, it was sacred. It was left into the holy land. It is, in fact, the most profound story of life. And that was left behind in the sacred. But they did take the lower minor arcana and made playing decks. And that's what we're still playing with today. The interpretation that I have a really good friend, you may know, Colette Baron-Reed. One of I don't uh, know she's her a very, person, but I know her. Of course. One of my best friends. She uses the playing cards. So she, for many, many years, used the lower deck, not the major, that she knows the tarot as well, but just the calling cards, regular old playing cards, and turned them into um, interpretations because she was trained by a gypsy. So those cards were used as divination. They were used as toys to play, simply games. But the major arcana is an extreme example of the evolution of consciousness leading into the world the last card, starting with the fool, you crazy person for coming here, and then ending with the world saying, and let's see who made it through this game and survived. I love that. And I love the idea. Uh, by the way, uh, the Zodiac Wheel spread is something I've used for many, many years. I think it's a very useful spread. It downloads so much information. 
And it's very simple. So for people who are listening, if you know the layout of an astrology chart, well, you've got a great spread right there and you can shuffle your cards, put a card for every house in the Zodiac, and you're getting a lot of information that can be incredibly helpful to your year. So that's one I use all the time. I love that you use that too. I do. I have a question for you. This is one question I think about all the time. I know Carl Jung, who was obviously an astrologer and was quoted to say psychology would be a dinosaur science until it included astrology. So he was a full-blown astrologer. His daughter has come out now and described that every chart, he, every client that came to see him, he executed a chart, which is what I had done as a therapist. My question is what you believe about the process that always draws those right cards. It's like, how does that happen? You know what? I do not have an answer for that. People ask that, you know, why, why is this, this, this card show up? I mean, why, when I shuffle them again, I get the same cards. I'm like, I really don't know that I do not have an answer. I mean, could it be fake? Could it be, I mean, who knows? Uh, so I'm just like, mm, I don't know. I don't Synchronicity know. was the word that uh, Carl Jung used. He said yeah. that this was one of the most powerful sources of magic. I know it never ceases to amaze me. I'm always yes. thinking about it. Like how did it, it's so unbelievable. It is. It always blows my mind after so many years of handling cards when they come up and it makes so much sense or they're so literal. You know, the other day I um, did a card for the day and I pulled the tower and then I looked at the news about two hours later and I heard about this tower collapsing in Miami. I mean, so sometimes they are, are that literal and it just blows wow. me away. I think also, um, there was a, a tarot conference going on or something going on around the time of the 9-11. And I remember some tarot readers talking also about, you know, pulling the tower that day. So sometimes they really are. It gives me a lot, of, a lot of faith, mm-hmm. especially in the climate crisis, that, that if in fact there's synchronicity operative every time you set up a card deck and every time you look at the tarot reading and every time you pull a card, every single time, then there must be an organized, an organized, intelligence that we are miss you know not trusting or not seeing and it gives me great comfort I I really feel like because I've been so obsessed with the sad story of our climate but that simply suggests that there's a really strong organization a divine order that we can't see but it's synchronicity is operative for me all the time there's so much we don't know There's so much we don't know. And I think um, trusting that it's all going to get sorted out, it requires an incredible amount of faith. Uh, Talk about hanged man, by the way. I was just thinking the same (laughs) thing. I read your mind. Oh, my God. It is. It requires a tremendous amount of faith to live here and to be present and to know that we don't know everything. And sometimes people assume tarot readers or astrologers know it all, see it all. And it's like, well, actually, we don't. There's so much more that we have yet to uncover. And you can't possibly know it all or see it all. We are all trying to figure it out as best as we can. I love and what these Einstein, are the tools. Einstein said, the more I know, the more I know I don't know. And he was Neptune. He was Pisces. He was a hangman. And and just the courage to, you know, he, he would meditate before he would start his writings. He would sit in a chair and he would hold two marbles in both hands, close his eyes and go to that altered state. And then he dropped the marbles and wake up. And that's how he began the discovery of, um, understanding relativity and that's all hangman we're talking about Neptune yes. again the ability to let the mind because i am suffering a lot with the conversation about there's a great new film out called choosing earth with lynn twist and jack cornfield and 
um, Joanna Macy. It's all luminaries talking about the future. It's beautifully done, but it was very disturbing. And as I've been processing it, I keep returning to the tarot and astrology and how perfect, how perfect astrology is. Like we can't argue that there's a divine order. We just don't think the humans have quite understood how to get their ability to be kind in the front of their mind. It rhymed. Um, <laughs> it's a problem. It's a problem yeah. that we are so far away from our kindness. I don't know why. Well, you know, humans are complex beings and hopefully they will get it together. Said, said the Gemini. Yes, I always have hope that we'll get it together eventually. So we shall see. This has been such an amazing conversation. I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge about tarot and astrology. I love the way you think about it. Deborah, where can people find you if they want to get a reading or take a class with you? Where are you located? So first, DebraSilvermanAstrology.com. Then, of course, Deborah Silverman Astrology on Instagram. We have a school that starts in September. So if any of you want to study astrology for six weeks long, there's a wait list, but we definitely have room at the end, and that would be at my website. And then we have the book, The Missing Element, that you can get on Amazon or from my website. If you get it from my website, I will put your chart right in the book and mail it to you. And uh, and then there's Tell Me a Story, My Deepest Love. Tell Me a Story is T-Moss, we call it, T-M-A-S dot C-O. And that's a writing class where I literally teach people how to turn their observer on and watch themselves without judgment. And it, it's a gauge. I, it's like my favorite thing to do because people finish. It's a four-week class and they finish it and they're like, how did that happen? But that's also true of the school. So I just happen to love Tell Me a Story. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And people, you definitely want to check out Deborah's work. She's amazing. Get the book, get to her site, take classes. And that's all for today. Uh, this wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. And I want to remind you, you can check out more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, the tarot coloring book, many other books, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, so many good things for you to scope out. Enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. And by the way, if you're digging the podcast, do me a favor, get over to iTunes, leave a kind review because that helps more tarot curious people find their way to tarot bites. And as always, I like to close up by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day. Let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember, you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You're in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take, you're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending. <laughs>